0: Three, two, one. Okay, we are live. Jillie, welcome back to our podcast.
1: Yes, thanks very much. We've got lots of great stuff to share with these guys today. That's
0: right. And so what we're going to be focusing on is we're going to pick up where we left off yesterday talking about, oh yes, that's right, the coronavirus. But what we want to do is we want to make this as practical and tactical as pertains to your real estate business as we possibly can. And I wanna preface this by saying that, um, Julie, I have no upside other than clearing our consciousness of uh, talking about this topic again. (laughs) We don't wanna talk about it. It's actually not going to be conducive to folks feeling optimistic. um, And lack of optimism has a tendency to cause people to take no action. In other words, we might, and you might, and everyone in the economy and who owns a business might feel the fallout from this coronavirus. And and we really believe that's what's gonna happen. So, we have been uh, gathering information and specific facts because for the longest time, Julie and I were on the make fun of it side of the fence. You know, we enjoyed watching people overreact and, you know, clean out Costco of all the toilet paper and whatnot. But now, what we're realizing is that this is something that is going to absolutely have a long term effect, a negative effect on the economy, and will inevitably affect the housing market. And so, what we want to share with you are some things. That we predict will happen, in which in the order in which they'll happen, and we're going to tell you what to do about it. And yes, we're going to be giving you specific scripts. We're going to be giving you specific action items and tips. So we're picking up where we left off yesterday. But I want to start out by saying, um, Julie and I naturally are uh, skeptics, and we are absolutely never going to just to take information as it's fed to us. And we're going to research, and we research the snot out of this topic uh, for the sake of the podcast. And what we discovered in doing our own homework, once we move past the political rhetoric and the, you know, the glaring headlines is we discovered some real honest to God, scary shit. And that's what we're going to be telling you guys, but we're going to give it to you in you know, bite-sized pieces with practical, the I- practical, that's right. Practical and tactical with the idea that you're going to be able to use this information for the betterment of your business. And, and the first thing I want to start out by saying, or the second thing I want to start out by saying, just to be clear is don't overreact on the fearful side you have to be consciously aware of how you're feeling and how you're reacting because the psychology that takes hold of most people is complete and total panic and and i read an interesting did you get that report i, I sent to you yeah, yeah that, well, that was fascinating. Was really interesting yeah. well
1: i was really i was wondering how is toilet paper even related to this and the, <sighs> the report that you sent me was and i can pull it up here in just a second Was talking about why people have that kind of reaction and what is the deal with that. And it it had some very interesting psychological reports like it's control, right? You want to feel like you're doing something, just like washing your hands and buying your antibacterial stuff. You want to feel that here's the article. Here's why people are panic buying and stockpiling toilet paper to cope with coronavirus fears. And I'll just read a couple of quick things about that. Um, He says, when people are stressed, their reasoning is hampered. So they look at what other people are doing. If others are stockpiling, it leads you to engage in the same behavior. People see photos of empty shelves and regardless of whether it's rational, it sends a signal to them that it must be the thing to do. Um, Sometimes there can be a lot of value in social knowledge from an evolutionary perspective. If you don't know how to react to something, you look at everybody else for guidance. If you're in the jungle and somebody jumps away from a snake, well, you automatically do the same thing. But sometimes that gets hijacked and you're told to do something that's not the right thing to do. So I thought that was a really interesting article about kind of like group behavior and why people are stockpiling things and and stuff of that nature.
0: Well, that's what I was saying, guys, if you're not control of your own, like your subconscious and your fear is going to take over. And that's what this article uh, talked about. And the essence of it was, is that if you walk into, pick your store, Costco for example, and you see that people are rolling out with crap tons of toilet paper, no no pun intended, sorry. Mm, Um,
1: Bad
0: bad. Bad pun, (laughs) (laughs) people are gonna do the same thing. You know, you're gonna feel subconsciously, your mind is gonna go to that panic mode, you're gonna do the same thing. So what you've got, building on the topic that we started a couple shows ago with regards to you being a leader, you need to realize that you are susceptible to the same levels of fear and panic and you don't need to be. You need to keep your head above the fray. Keep your head above the rational behavior and realize ultimately what this is, is similar to what you've already experienced in life. And we're going to be sharing that with you. But for those of you who are still on the fence with regards to how severe this is actually going to be. And I had a great coaching call with one of the best agents in the country yesterday, Chuck Williamson. And he started out with the idea that this was just some sort of politicized thing to get Trump, which I can completely understand why he had that perspective, because really you can't trust the news nowadays. And so anything that comes out of the news, you have to start out with the assumption that it's being politicized, right? Um, Which is what his assumption was. And frankly, that's the side of the fence that we were leaning on prior to actually having done this homework. And then when we started reading the reports from the health organizations, and I think Julie's got some of those facts um, and then there's been a lot of other information that's come out. So if you separate yourself from the politicized fray and you start looking for the facts, I'm going to give you some interesting facts. So the, the uh, prime minister of – is that – yeah, prime minister, or is that her title, of Germany? Chancellor. Chancellor. Sounds oh, more right. German. Yeah, sounds more – that's right. that <laughs> does, doesn't it? <laughs> she came out today and she said 60 to 70% of all Germans will end up getting the coronavirus. Um, and so, Julie, did you write down some facts from that uh, interview you listened to yesterday?
1: I have some at the top of my mind. I'm, li- I'm looking up some of that as well. We, we listened to an epidemiologist. You took notes,
0: didn't you? Okay. And so the, the moral of the story was, basically, is the number of people that were are projected to get uh, the coronavirus is not small. It's a massive number. It's so- 10
1: to 15 times the worst flu.
0: That's right. Now, people are saying, well, Tim, it's just a strain of flu. And technically, that is true. And technically, if you get it, you're going to live. You're going to be just fine. But here's what they're fearful of, is that there's multiple strains of this flu, this coronavirus, and they don't know it. They don't understand it. And so at least what a lot of the leading scientists are believing is there's at at least two strains that are going around, one is basically like a flu you're familiar with, and the other is a real ass-kicker. And if you have any underlying health issues, and they're saying basically if you have underlying health issues and you're over 60 is what they're saying – that you probably are going to have a real health problem on your hands. Now, here's what I thought was interesting. 43% of all Americans are obese. Obesity is considered an underlying health issue. So if you're younger than 60 and you're obese and you get the coronavirus, chances are you're going to have a little bit more of a problem than, say, somebody who isn't obese. Yes. And the problems manifest far beyond that, too. So we you guys are going to hear lots of things about, the, essentially, the virus. And, and here's what you got to understand. There's about a zero chance they're going to have a, any kind of, uh, you know, essentially a shot or something for this anytime soon. So most everyone you know is going to either have it or be affected by it directly. It's just inevitable. And so when you get it or if you know somebody that gets it, the move is going to be essentially just treat it like the normal flu and then it'll pass. Um, and again, I'm not. We're not going to drill down too much deeper on the health stuff unless Julie has some interesting. Well,
1: so so it's not so much. I, I, here's what I. One of the things I got from that podcast is not so much about you because probably your ability to fight it off is going to be good. Now, obviously, if you're obese, he you also mentioned smokers are at a mm-hmm. particularly higher risk. If you're more than, if you're older than sixty, particularly if you're older than eighty then you should be a bit more cautious now it's less about your ability to do something about it it's more about the fact that you could be out infecting the rest of the world so that's why people are shutting down some events and some of these things that we can expect uh you know closing the uh italy is basically closed germany the chancellor said 70 percent of them are probably going to get it so here's the thing that you've got to look at it's not so much about the virus it's the unintended consequences how is it going to affect you and your business so for example tim you and i were talking about especially the high, higher end sellers they are having some objections that we're we're starting to hear things that sound similar to the holiday objections maybe i want to take it off the market and just wait it out maybe i want to keep it as a rental so we're already seeing that crop up you've got to expect that and have your objection handlers ready
0: So think about this from an economic perspective, because that's where really we wanted to go with our topic here. And everyone else is going to focus on the health aspects of it, okay? So when you think about all of the disruptions to the global economy that are already taking place as a result of the coronavirus, you have to assume, and this is the safe side, this is a smart way to think, guys, you have to assume that it's going to get far worse before it gets better For the same reason that people are panic buying toilet paper. So what you're going to see, you're going to see people uh, making rash decisions that maybe on the surface seem like they're overreaching, but that's just the nature of humans. And so you already are seeing big, and here's a a safe prediction. You're already seeing a lot of um, like NAR canceled there big uh, convention. You're going to see, you know, South by Southwest canceled their convention. You're So you're going to see organizations are going to continue to self-police and say, well, we're just not going to have this because we don't want to, you know, spread the coronavirus. But inevitably, the government's going to step in, starting probably with local governments and then going national. And they're actually going to say, look, if you're planning on getting together more than X number of people, let's put this on hold and let's not do it. And Hey, maybe you just have a virtual, you know, meeting or powwow or rally or whatever you want to call it. You know, that's what the type of thing is going to happen. The government itself. So let's just stop, stay there and hover on that. So what are the ramifications of not having sporting events? Well, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to financially uh, be negatively affected by that. You could think of all the people, all the, you know, the guys that sell the hot dogs, the guy who sells the plane tickets, the guy, the people that sell the hotel rooms. So the hospitality industry, the travel industry is going to be the, the hardest and the first hit from this airlines. Anything to do with travel is going to be hit. Um, and then and, – and in a very negative way. And then you're going to be looking at all the other – the financial sectors that are going to be hit because of people aren't borrowing money and spending money. So what has a tendency to happen is when people are operating out of fear, they don't do anything other than evidently buying toilet paper. But they essentially wall themselves in and they make the world smaller. It's a natural um, – essentially reaction to feeling like you're under attack and your subconscious mind wants to figure out a way to essentially feel in control. And so what people will do to feel in control is they'll do panic buying, but at the same time, they're going to make their world smaller. It's what happens every single time. It's innate into our own, you know, our core level software for people to think smaller like that. You have to, as a business owner, anticipate that that's going to happen. You have to understand, I used this example yesterday, and I haven't thought of a better one yet, but in Austin, Texas, our, our, the place we just moved from before we moved to Puerto Rico, you look at, for example, the, there's a the chip manufacturer for the iPhones, for the Apple iPhone. They're located right there in Austin, Texas. They have a massive campus. Now, what happens if all of a sudden people stop buying iPhones? What if here, and this is happening, right? What if in China, they stop making iPhones because China? basically tells people not to go to work. Here's a fun fact. In China, in certain parts of China, if you if they think that you have the coronavirus, they are literally welding you into your house or your apartment. They're not letting you leave. They're making you they're forcing you to stay in your residence. So and they're closing major factories. Whole towns are okay, so what are the ramifications of that? Well think about it. So if they make iPhones in China, which they do, and they make chips in Austin, which they do, in all those you know, essentially those economies are now suffering from lack of right people making money, people spending money. What then happens? So what folks don't realize, and we realize this just because we saw essentially Julie and I've been. I mean, we're not you know we're not spring chickens, and we've been through a number of these similar type slowdowns. Nothing that was on a pandemic level, but things that were then economic pandemic. Uh, economic catastrophes. We've lived through quite a few of those on a you know, global and national level. And what always happens is the pendulum swings way too far to the conservative side of things. In other words, people basically don't know how bad it's going to get. And so what they do is they really take, uh, you know, they shut things down. And then slowly they start to come back to life and people start spending money again. So what you're going to see, and this, I think this is a safe prediction, we made this a few shows ago, is the second half of this year there's absolutely going to be a global recession if there isn't already. Then the U.S. is not in recession. And who knows if the U.S. will be pulled into a recession as a result of this. Maybe, maybe not. I I don't know. I'm not smart enough to know that. But it is, you have to assume that the second half of the year is going to be where you start hearing all the reports. So all the reports about the slowing consumer spending and all the other things that come from that, those are all going to start pouring out and you're going to start seeing Uh, businesses miss their earnings. You're going to start seeing people talk about, you know, essentially not hiring people or in some cases laying people off. Those are the things that we have to look forward to. So what do you do in anticipation of that? Well, what the government's doing is they're lowering interest rates. That creates opportunity for you. The interest rates right now for a 30-year fixed rate mortgage are like three and a half percent. That's never happened in 50 years. Interest rates haven't been that low. That should be something that you could use as a catalyst to get people buy real estate. We had, I saw some of our coaching students on Facebook we're giving examples of like last year with interest rates like they were, for a payment of this, you'd been able to buy a $300,000 house. Now this year, because the interest rates are this, you can buy a $500,000 house. That's smart. You're showing people and motivating them to you know essentially take advantage of the lower rates, which is what the lower rates are intended to do. Now you're going to see other things that are going to start coming out. And you need to be paying attention to these because you're going to need to counterbalance people's fear you're going to see probably no payroll tax for the rest of the year. Literally, they're going to say no payroll tax. Now, does that mean businesses won't have to pay a payroll tax or they just won't have to pay it until next year? I don't have an answer. Personally, I think what they're going to do is say no payroll tax. If you have employees, no federal payroll tax. Just keep that money in your company. Don't let off any of your employees. That's what I predict is going to happen. I think it's safe to say. You're going to see additional economic stimulants that are going to come out and I don't know if you guys remember this, back during the Bush administration, Bush too, they literally mailed everybody a check. I don't, Julie, how much was the check? $1,000? I think it was 600 Yeah, $600. Oh, everybody oh. in the United States got 600 bucks, <laughs> right? The government just said, screw it, we're going to throw everything at the wall. Everybody gets $600. Some of you guys that are younger, you won't have either knew it happened or remember it. But was, those are the types of things that the government is going to do, especially in an election year. So, watch for the government to take these big swings at the fence and come out with these big you know crazy headline grabbing stimulus packages. Because what the Trump administration does not want to be accused of, especially in an election year, is not taking huge actions. And everybody's going to be pressuring them to basically, especially on the conservative side, they're all going to be saying, "Do not look like you are apathetic during this whole thing. Do not look like you are asleep at the wheel." And so, man, Trump is going to definitely use this as an opportunity to make this a a huge a, a huge deal. He's going to want to grab all the headlines. And talk about all kinds of far reaching stimulants. You need to be paying attention to that because one of the easy buttons for any government to push is going to be the one that's going to lead to housing uh, uh, deals because housing has so many drivers that come as a result. So much, you know, essentially all the people that get paid from a real estate transaction is just far reaching. You're going to see, in our prediction, very soon, within the next 60 to 90 days, some of the most aggressive mortgage rates and mortgage opportunities of our lifetimes. Pay attention to this. Don't allow yourself to get suckered into the long lines of Costco with your shopping cart full of toilet paper. You need to be seeing the fact that this is an opportunity for you, not something to be fearful of. This is your opportunity to help people. Frankly, and this is your opportunity in many cases for you guys to make a lot of money by helping people. Only if you don't allow yourself to succumb to the fear. Julie?
1: Well, so this is one of the easiest prospecting. Yes, I said the word prospecting. It's okay. You have antibacterial wipes on your desk. You're going to be okay. Okay. So this is one of the easiest prospecting calls you can make. Your database. What is the number one thing grizzled veterans say they would have done better looking back? They would have done a better job talking to their database. So... These are your past clients, your centers of influence, your friends, your family. So there's a, a really good example for those of you that are premier coaching clients on our Facebook page. But I'm going to give you a shout out to Jen Gennaro, who's one of our great coaching clients in Baton Rouge. She's put together these really cool little crates and her, her thing on her social media says, there's a lot of things out there trying to get you down, but searching for the right realtor shouldn't be one of them. Comment below if I can drop off a free coronavirus prevention kit to your home or business this week. And she's got like uh, Campbell's chicken noodle soup in there, Lysol wipes, uh, hand sanitizer, like a, a an ice pack. She's it looks really cute. So on one side of her card that's attached with the little bow, it says "Don't make yourself sick." Searching for the right realtor. And the other side is her contact information. Now, how does this relate to a prospecting call? Use the interest rates to call your past clients, your center of influence, and ask them. Are they aware of the as low as 3.5% interest rate? Is this something you'd like to refinance? Or are you considering making a move anytime soon? You need to let me know now so I can be proactive finding you the right house. I'll go and take a video tour so you don't even have to leave your home. We can write an offer if that's, you know, obviously depends on how the conversation's going. Making it contingent on final viewing. I'll make it as easy as possible. And then you can pounce on 3.5% interest rate. When was the last time in your entire life you saw it that low? You're going to find out who's going to move and who's not. And your, your best worst case scenario is you've got to drop off this crate of uh, coronavirus prevention kit. That's going to go a long way for referrals showing that you care, that you're tuned in and you're in front of it. Be cautiously optimistic. Be supportive. Be reassuring. Because I guarantee you there's not a thing they're watching that's going to give them that, but you can.
0: That's right. And guys, look, over time, this will pass. But just accept the fact that it's going to get worse before it gets better. And I want to just, if you knew for a fact that, say, six months from now, the coronavirus thing, everyone would be on the same page. Everyone is agreeing that it's, a, it's an actual thing. Essentially, you, like I said, when I started today, when Julie and I started today, you knew someone or were yourself exposed to it. Maybe you've gotten past it or maybe you've got it. You know, if you knew that was headed your way, and it is, what would you be doing differently now? What would you be doing differently now if you knew for sure that things were going to get a lot worse before they got a lot better in terms of the coronavirus? Now, we just given, we've gave you a clear roadmap of all the different things that are happening financially but and will happen that will be advantageous to you if you're smart and aware enough to take advantage of it. But here's the other thing. What are you doing to prepare yourself? Julie talked about scripts. She talked, I just had, I didn't tell you this, Julie, while you were talking, somebody just chatted us on Facebook asking if we're starting the short sale REO class again.
1: I know, I know. So that's, you can Absolutely. tell that's what people we're are Absolutely, we're tuned into that. Yep. I, we are. Having lots of those conversations and I have it in my notes. Just yeah. And then I've got to go to Premier Coaching where we're talking more about this. Remember that just because somebody is a little upside down in their house does not automatically make them a short sale if they are still motivated. Yep. A lot of people, we used to do deals like that all the time. They'd write a little check at closing to get rid of the house. It's okay. So be flexible is the point. Be the leader.
0: Well, this is all about education. This is where all this goes. If you guys, most of you, 99% of you, unless you're in premier coaching, you do not have an education that's going to basically take you through a changing market, let alone a declining market. And in certain markets, there, there already is a declining market, but in the rest of the country, there, there's going to definitely be a shift that none of you have ever experienced before. But like, I, it's safe to say, so this is the number one listened to daily podcast for real estate agents in the United States. It's our goal to make it to the number one listened to daily podcast for all real estate agents in the world. That's our goal. Why not, right? Think big. <laughs> so we have literally tens of thousands of you listen every single day. But here's what I know. I know that mostly from iTunes, we know what uh, the average age of the folks listening. We know a lot of other things just from you know knowing NAR stats that a vast majority of you have not been in the real estate business for more than five years. A vast majority of you have never actually had to sell in a changing market, let alone a buyer's market. You don't realize, and what I'm telling you is the stone-cold truth, the no-bullshit truth here, guys. You don't know what it's like to sell real estate in a changing market, let alone a market where essentially everyone's fearful of catching a falling knife. All those types of things you're not prepared for. You've only, most of you, have come up in a seller's market where essentially you thought education was learning how to basically take a digital picture of you and become an Instagram star, right? That's what you thought you had to know to be successful in real estate because you haven't really had to have real sales skills. You haven't had to learn how to essentially counsel somebody that's operating out of fear. Those people buying all those you know, war rooms full of toilet paper, those are your clients, That's how they're thinking. That's how they're feeling. That's how, and if you are thinking and feeling that way, what you're going to do is you're going to compound your problems. You're going to go from essentially, you know, having fears of the coronavirus and not knowing what to do. And now that's going to lead to you having financial problems. That's ultimately what you have to avoid. You have to be conscious of the fact that all of us are fragile. All of us will easily Give in to our fears, especially if we're surrounded by it, which digitally and through the media and all your friends and family, everyone's surrounded by it. Everyone's going to be talking about it. You cannot fall down that hole. You must rise above it. And you must realize that some of the greatest fortunes in the history of man have been made during the greatest periods of change. Some of the greatest fortunes in the history of man have been made during the greatest periods of change. Is this going to be one of those times? Don't know. We'll tell you if we think it could be. What are the unintended consequences of this? And look, all these major universities are canceling school. Oh, Julie, um, uh, Harvard. Yes. They said, don't come back to school at all, all year. Wow. They said, online only.
1: You know what? Light bulb has gone off in some of our coaching clients' heads when they hear stuff like that. I just hung up with somebody. Buy stocks like Zoom.
0: Yeah, no right? doubt.
1: I mean, what are we going to do about that? The right. opportunity.
0: Well, look, EXP exp Realty, yeah. they're all online. Hey, maybe they're, maybe mm. there's something to that whole online thing. Maybe I ought to be <laughs> taking that seriously. By the way, if you guys want to talk to me about EXP, text me directly at 512-758-0206. Yes, Julie and I are involved with EXP. Yes, we love it. Yes, it's a home run for everyone. And yes, you need to talk with us about it. 512 758 0206. And
1: guess what? You don't even have to go into an office. It's you don't have all to go. Yucky and germ-filled. That's right. Awesome sauce. We'll Love do it. it. <laughs>
0: we'll do it virtually. Hey, how about that for an idea? I got to go to PC. Okay. Julie's got to go to PC. So Julie, thank you for the content My today. My pleasure. And look, guys, don't, don't operate out of fear. It's inevitable that you're going to feel some fear. Even smart people, even people that are, you know, it does not matter. They're all going to be operating out of fear unless they're consciously realizing That they have to rise above it. So, most people are just going to be thinking about the next step ahead of them. You have to at least try to think about what's going to be like a year from now. So, where are the opportunities that this market's going to create? Where are the opportunities? What are the behavioral changes that will take place as a result of this coronavirus? This is going to have an everlasting impact on how you think about public health, isn't it? This is going to have an everlasting impact on how you think of the stupid flu and how you think of all these other things. You will forever be changed. If you don't believe me, look how much our country changed after September 11th. Look how much our country changed after some of the other things that we've experienced in the last, you know, even 25 years. It's, it's huge. So this is going to be, in our opinion, one of the biggest change engines. Look, guys, the last recession. The, the last, the, the real estate crash, 7 What happened as a result of that? Look at how all the regulations and the, all, everything else changed. But there were some other core fundamental changes that happened and how people saw things like bankruptcy before when, you know, I'm 50, right? So when I was growing up, things like bankruptcy were like, you did not want to ever declare bankruptcy because you would be like a social piranha. No, many of you have no clue, even can remotely relate to what I just said. But some of you can, and that all changed. And same thing with a foreclosure. Same thing with all those types of financial things that people no longer have a real sense of responsibility for in the sense that they did before. That all changed because of the housing crash. And now, what people know how to do, and it's easy to get this information. Is people now know that if they can't make their housing payment, that they're going to be able to stay in that house sometimes for years as without making a single house payment. Yes, still trash their credit, but they're not going to have to make a house payment. And here's something else that's fascinating. If you guys, I mean, this is nerdy, but I think it's interesting. So none of the modeling that led up to the last housing crash had into their assumptions that people would essentially walk away from their mortgages because it had never happened before. None of their modeling had expected people to behave like they did. And here's one of the facts that came out of it. I don't remember if it's 90 or 94%. doesn't really matter. Almost everyone, once they missed one house payment, they don't make another house payment and basically they default. One house payment missed is basically... Uh, almost 100% chance that people aren't going to make follow-up payments. What all the modeling led up to the housing crash had told those investors in Wall Street was that people will stop making car payments, stop making credit card payments before they stop making their house payment. They were completely wrong. People stopped making their house payment, kept making their car payments, and kept making their credit card payments. So they were completely wrong. Same thing's happening now. So the unintended consequences of what's going to happen to people's psychology, their psyches, and their behavior is going to be felt forever. This is going to permanently change a lot of how people think about all kinds of things that I can't even imagine yet, and probably you can't either. In these times of change, you cannot allow yourself to go small and think out of fear. You must fight the tendency to operate out of fear and realize that again, I'm going to say this again. Some of the greatest fortunes of mankind have always been made during the greatest times of change. You can go all the way back in recorded history and that's always been true. And are we in one of those periods now? It's too soon to tell, but most likely we are because there's never been since the Spanish flu, there's never been a global pandemic, which is what this will be considered. You know, the government does not like labeling things as they really are. I mean, we just came out of where we're still in this Middle East war. We've been in there for 15 years, but it's still not called a war, is it? So the last recession in 07-08, they called it a recession. Guys, I promise you in the future, that will not be in history books remembered as recession. It's going to be remembered as a Depression. So they love to basically spin things and, you know, whatever the political winds are blowing. And that's what's happening now, especially in the United States. Again, I'm not trying to politicize this. I'm just basing this on, you know, essentially the last 25 years of history and how words really matter. And a lot of the politicians and everyone else needs to, you know, they're very, 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 very uh, careful about using words because they don't want to be associated with those words like you will not probably hear the current administration use the word pandemic because Trump does not want to be associated with that word. You guys get it? That's the same reason they didn't want to use the word depression with Obama. And you guys get it. Stuff like that that doesn't really matter. And all that political garbage doesn't matter. The news is mostly going to be untrustworthy. You're going to have to rely on um, essentially doing what Julie and I did is we went directly to the World Health Organization. We went directly. We actually talked with two doctors we know um, we, we drilled down and we did the work so we could understand it. And the, what we concluded from all these things that we read and researched was they don't know what the hell's going on. They don't know what, how bad it's going to get, how broad it's going to get, but they can model out based on how fast it's spreading. They can model out a safe assumption that this is going to affect directly or indirectly everybody in the world. Okay. That's how bad this is going to get. Now again, does not mean people are going to die in mass, but it, people are saying, "Well, look how many people have died from the flu every year versus how many people have died from this?" But the differences between the flu and what we're experiencing now are that's disingenuous for someone to do that comparison, because the manner in which this is spreading and they, in China, the, the new cases are finally slowing down because they're literally welding people in their houses. They're not allowing people to expose themselves to other, to other people, but that is not yet. Taken hold in the rest of of the world. But you're going to see some draconian measures that are going to take place all across the globe to try to isolate people and keep them from exposing other people. When you get this damn thing, guys, it lives in your body for up to six days before you even know you have it. So during that six days, you can feel right as rain and you're exposing other people to the virus. Now, here's what's really disgusting is that, and I talked about this yesterday, I'm just, I am want to just, you know, I need to leave this on a note of realist. I don't want you guys to feel, I want you to be cautiously optimistic, but you need to basically hope for the best, uh, but prepare for the worst. And what I'm fearful of, because most of you listening are salespeople, or you're just going to be optimists and you're not going to take enough protective measures. That's what I'm fearful of because everyone else is going to spin it that way, especially in our industry. Everyone else is going to be looking for a reason to discount it, to blow it off, not worry about it, and then they're going to want you to walk on coals. We don't want you to do that because you're not going to be right-minded when you're trying to look for the opportunities to help people and, frankly, make money for yourself in this in this time, right? So the, when, you, when someone with a virus sneezes, Or, you know, breathes and there's some, you know, little droplets of nastiness in what they're exhaling. Those little droplets of nastiness contain the virus. And here's what's freaky. That virus can live outside of a human body. I heard two different numbers, between four and six days. When we were recently on on planes, people were wiping down everywhere in their environments, you know, in the plane. They're just wiping it down like they're about to do, you know, surgery and it's for that reason so the normal flu does not operate like that the normal flu doesn't stay in people's bodies. But the real problem and the real reason that we shouldn't be comparing this to influenza or the normal flu is because the normal flu, they know what it is. You can take a, a shot that's going to hypothetically lessen your likelihood of getting it or if you do get it, the severity of it. So there's known ways to fight against the normal flu. Now there's, granted, there's dozens of different strains of the flu, right? And so they're always trying to predict which one's going to be the most prominent one that particular year. This thing, they got nothing for it. That's what's scary. So they don't have anything that they can give you, prescribe to you, take some Theraflu, take some NyQuil, hope for the best. Uh, We'll see you in, you know, 10 to 15 days. Okay, that's what is going to ultimately cause a protracted agony, psychological agony for people is because of the uncertainty. It's not because of what Trump said or didn't say. It's not because of, you know, he's contradicting this or don't be allow yourself to be politicized. What the real uncertainty comes from is because there's genuine uncertainty amongst the scientists about all the little particulars of the DNA that's within this particular strain of virus. They know where it started. They think it started. Get this, guys. They think this damn thing passed from animals to man last November. They can actually figure out that that's how detailed they can get. Last freaking November is when this thing passed from what they believe a pig to a human in China. That's where it all started. And from that, look how fast it's grown. And it's not going to slow down. So take this seriously. Understand that, um, you know, there's a tug of war going on inside of you. And you need to basically be the person that's pulling at both ends. That causes you to be cautiously optimistic. It causes you to be smart It causes you to be a leader with inside your family, inside your community, inside your church, your synagogue, your mosque. It allows you to be a leader inside of your, you know, whatever you're, whoever you're and however you're exposed to people. You know, maybe you should just do that digitally, not necessarily meeting people, you know know what I'm saying here. But however you have influence on other people, this is your prerogative to be a leader, to calm the fears, to help people see through their initial emotional reactions which are just going to get worse, right? That's the reason Julie and I are delivering this information. Not necessarily in our financial best interest, but in your best interest. So make the most of this, guys. We have not done a podcast like this. And and I mean, we weren't doing podcasts back during the housing crash. Julie and I were doing weekly uh, webinars. And I remember back in um, late 06, Julie and I were doing a webinar and we started seeing reasons to believe that the housing market was going to crash. I won't get into the particulars, but... It was kind of obvious because Julie and I had at the time just literally hundreds of coaching clients all over the country, and we started seeing the build up and the sell off, the build up and the sell off of housing, uh, of housing inventories, and that's one of the things you know the ripples that creates the, the big earthquake you know, the early warning signs, basically. We're seeing the exact same patterns that are starting to take place in different ways now. So it's going to happen. It's going to, you're going to experience it. You're not going to get out unscathed. Stop being on the wrong side of the fence on this because your market, your people, your family need you to lead. This is your opportunity to lead, okay? If there's anything we can do for you guys, if you want us to talk to your group (laughs) on a webinar or on a podcast or on a Zoom meeting, we're more than willing to do it just to keep people's heads um, above the fray. And real estate folks, you guys have an opportunity to truly be, this is your opportunity to truly be the, the you know, the, the lighthouse in the storm. This is your opportunity to step in front of your communities and say, listen, all this, you know, noise, let's, let's cut through the noise, which is what Julie and I try to do on this podcast. Julie and I are trying to show you guys how to disseminate information in such a way that's factual, maybe a little scary, but also practical and tactical. Why don't you take the lead in your own world and do the same thing? Even if it's only for your local community or your neighborhood. Why don't you do that, guys? Why don't you make a difference? Don't just sit around and live out of fear, channel surfing between CNN and MSNBC and Fox News. You're just going to make yourself batshit crazy, and you're going to make yourself broke. Because when you're operating in fear... When you're operating in that mode, you're not going to actually be of service to other people because you're going to be too interdirected and your ego is going to drive you crazy and you're not going to actually want to do any real work. Don't allow that to happen. I'll say this one last time, and it's a really valid point. Hopefully all of you written it, wrote it down or at least remember it. The greatest fortunes in the history of man or woman, if you want to be politically correct here, have always been made during the greatest times of change. And that is most likely what we're experiencing now. So do the right thing, be of service to other people, and be opportunistic. Look at all the ways you can make money in a market like this. Money is made no matter what direction the market's going. When the housing market was crashing, there were people making money. When the housing market was booming, there were people making money. There's going to be people making money now, just different people. Be one of the people that's making the money, not one of the people that has this be some sort of everlasting, you know, damaging thing to your personal economy and your health. Take action on this, guys, if you need us for anything. Um, Obviously, you can text me at 512-758-0206. In the meantime, have a fantastic day. We'll talk to you on the show at any time. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com.